Welcome to episode 23 of the Fire Safety Matters podcast, where we bring you the latest news, views and opinion from across the UK's dedicated fire industry. My name's Brian Sims and I'm the editor of Fire Safety Matters magazine. We're delighted that this podcast is sponsored by the Fire Safety Event, which runs at the NEC in Birmingham on the 5th, 6th and 7th of April 2022. To register for the show, visit www.firesafetyevent.com. As always, I'm joined on the Fire Safety Matters podcast by my colleague Mark Sennett, the CEO at Western Business Media. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Brian. Obviously, as we record, this is a few days before Christmas, and I'm very much looking forward to spending time with my kids and my family over Christmas. Hopefully, get to see some Oxford United football matches in the middle, which I'm not sure if that'll make Christmas or break Christmas, but we'll find out. What about you? What are you up to over Christmas? Uh, really taking a break, Mark. I think the last few weeks have been uh, you know, quite uh, involved for us, obviously, with the FI guide and putting FSM's December edition to press. But similar to you, I'd like to go to some football if it's, if it's on. There's obviously a meeting this afternoon with the uh, Premier League officials to see whether that goes on over Christmas or whether they cancel for COVID. So we'll see there. But essentially, yeah, just taking some downtime, really. Well, that would be a nice change of pace for you, a man that doesn't need to take any days off. So uh, I'm very much condoning you taking some time off with your wife, for sure. But as always, we obviously... St- well, this is a little bit different, this issue of the podcast, I should really say. So we're going to go through a few news stories today, as we always do. Then we're just going to have a quick look back at how we finish the year and what's coming up next year for FSM as well. So, you know, it should be good fun. We've got four key news stories to go over. But for those of you that aren't familiar with this podcast, obviously we do it monthly. But also, you don't have to wait monthly to get all the latest news, prosecutions, products and service stories out there we do that daily on our website which is fsmatters.com you can see our back archive of webinars in there you can also go to fsmlive.co.uk and that will allow you to listen to our digital conference on demand for free you can also sign up to the magazine by going to fsmatters.com so you can get that four times a year along with the FIA guide, which we'll be talking about a little bit later that Brian's been working very hard on. Or you can sign up to our weekly newsletter along with 54,000 other fire safety professionals. So plenty of ways that you can engage with us and you can do so on social media as well through Twitter and LinkedIn. So just look for Fire Safety Matters on Twitter or LinkedIn. But I want to start off with a news story that's come out uh, very recently indeed. So... The headline that you wrote, Brian, was Grenfell driven by an agenda of deregulation, claims an FBU legal representative. You're no strangers to us covering stories like this. Brian and I particularly enjoy covering this. So let's get straight into it. So the legal representative taking part in the Grenfell Tower public inquiry to serve as counsel for the Fire Brigade Union has placed a central importance on the agenda of deregulation, privatisation and marketisation being an underlying cause of the disaster. So Martin Seawood QC said that an agenda which encouraged companies to behave recklessly towards building safety was actively and regrettably deliberately created by central government. Now, I must state that that is his views and his personal views that he's made public. But Seawood's comments were made as part of the opening statement of Module 6 of Phase 2 of the Grenfell Tower Public Inquiry. So Module 6 of the Public Inquiry's second phase is looking at the regime sorry, the regime for testing, certification and classification of materials to use in external cladding systems, as well as examining the role of central government in establishing the legislative regime and formulating guidance on compliance. So, phase two of the public inquiry is to examine how Grenfell Tower came to be coated in flammable materials which contributed to the spread of flames. So, counsel to the public inquiry, namely Richard Millett QC, has listed the essential questions to be 
whether the risk from fire in high-rise buildings were properly understood by the government before the Grenfell blaze, whether lessons had been learned from previous relevant incidents in the UK and overseas, which steps had or had not been taken by government to address the risks from fire in high-rise buildings, and what motivated the government in its approach to fire safety before the disaster. So Stephanie Barwise QC, who was representing some of the bereaved survivors and residents, told the public inquiry, the Grenfell disaster is a predictable yet unintended consequence of the combinations of laudable desire to reduce carbon emissions, coupled with an unbridled passion for deregulation, and in particular, a desire to deregulate and boost the housing construction industry. On realising the extent of the problem, the government's response was to react by concealment instead of candour. So before I throw this over to Brian, some pretty strong and bold statements made there. I mean, this is not the first time we all have heard language like this used by the Fire Brigades Union, but it, but when it's something as strong as this and in the public domain, I very much think it's it's worth talking about. Brian, have you got anything you want to add to the, the very well-written story that you wrote? And if anyone is trying to read this story in, in detail, all you need to do is go to fsmatters.com and just type in Grenfell driven by agenda of deregulation in the search box. Or you could probably type Grenfell deregulation that it would come up. Well worth a read. So Brian, is there anything else you want to add to this? Yeah, there is, Mark. It's really focusing on the government response to all of this as things stand at the moment. Uh, speaking at the public inquiry, Jason Beer QC, who's representing the Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities, said that the government believes it, and I quote, must examine its own conduct and candidly accept mistakes, errors and omissions when the public inquiry identifies them. Indeed, the government has published a detailed 45-page opening statement as part of Phase 2, Module 6, Part 2. In the summary, the government asserts, and again I quote, the department accepts responsibility for its failures of the past, while acknowledging that this can neither change what happened nor compensate the immeasurable loss and grief suffered. Those who were lost and those who lost loved ones on that terrible night in June 2017 and in the following months are at the forefront of the department's thoughts as it recognises what went wrong and continues its work towards ensuring that nothing like this can ever happen again. The government concludes its statement, Mark, by saying the department presided over an overarching building safety system that has now been shown to be unfit for purpose and with catastrophic consequences. It placed too much reliance on the honesty, competence and engagement of the construction, construction products and building control sectors and missed a number of opportunities to identify and address the risk that this faith was misplaced and with tragic consequences. So as you said, Mark, some pretty strong statements there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's definitely been worth covering and, you know, the inquiry obviously continues. So, Brian, for our second news story, what did you want to cover? I'm focusing on something from the Fire Sector Federation this time around, Mark. The challenges involved in securing professional indemnity insurance for fire risk assessors continue. According to the Federation, those challenges appear to be diluting the already stretched capacity of the sector. This makes it more difficult for responsible persons to find competent individuals capable of properly assessing the fire safety of buildings. Many fire risk assessors have stated that they're facing a combination of a reduction in liability cover, further restrictive endorsements and some dramatic rises in premium costs as well. A few of them have even indicated that they may choose to leave the sector altogether as a direct result of this. Now, if such a trend were to continue, Mark, it could engender a decline in available building safety expertise and also serve to jeopardise ambitions for the safer built environment that everyone's talking about at the moment. Some risk assessors have reported seeing a tenfold increase in their insurance premium costs over the last three years, 
One company, in fact, with 10 risk assessors on its books who don't undertake cladding or external wall surveys, has quoted an increase in annual premiums from £3,500 three years ago to £38,000 at the current time. This was linked to a cover reduction from £5 million to £1 million. Now, commenting on the issue, Mark, Dennis Davis, Executive Officer at the Fire Sector Federation, who of course writes for us in every edition of Fire Safety Matters, has explained, and I quote, the challenge of cost increases for reduced cover is forcing some risk assessors to consider their future. This could further compromise the already limited capacity for competent fire risk assessments. That's significant in that it limits our ability to support those in the construction and housing sectors who want to ensure their buildings are safe and compliant. And Dennis has gone on to state, the Federation has welcomed recent new fire safety legislation and very much looks forward to the introduction of further improvements proposed as part of wider building safety regime change. However, this will require a high degree of competence and specialist fire safety knowledge. Raising competency levels and capacity are key elements of this strategy. As an organisation, of course, the Fire Sector Federation actively promotes third-party assurance with its associated controls and independent assessment in encouraging all parties, including insurers, to feel confident with the work conducted by fire risk assessors. So this is a huge issue, Mark. Any thoughts on this one? Yeah, it's it's a massive issue. And, you know, I'll, I'll add some further comments from Dennis in a minute. Dennis, someone obviously we know very well and we're, we're a proud member of the Fire Sector Federation, FSM is. It, it's a concern. We can't lose quality risk assessors out of the sector. People that are competent doing that job are absolutely vital. And that's an agenda that's very much been pushed by the FSF, Institute of Fire Safety Managers, and of course, organisations like BAFE. And if premiums are going up and forcing people out like this, it's it's got to be a concern. We want to keep quality people in the sector who are competent to do the work and not have unavoidable or I should say avoidable barriers put in place that you know financially surprise them out of the market so yeah I agree it's, it's a real concern and actually Dennis Davis concluded in the article with you which again if you want to read on our website is fsmatters.com and just search PI insurance crisis and this article will come up but Dennis said we simply cannot afford to erode existing numbers of fire risk assessors we know the government is aware of the situation and work with industry to seek to improve access to affordable insurance but we do need to resolve this issue as a matter of urgency and that's something that I just said I completely agree with Dennis on so the fire Sector federation is at the forefront of driving competence in fire safety and actually last year Brian as you'll know very well FSM and you reported that the Federation had published an approved code of practice specifically for fire risk assessors and the organisation also provides a national listing to help those requiring expertise in this area. So yeah I mean it's it's absolutely a key area that that needs to be addressed. I would echo Dennis's comments on that. So I'm going to move on to my next news story Brian and um, it's, it's, it's another big story that's that's come out and it's something we, we, we've covered before um obviously those that have listened to this podcast will, will know that we've talked about base don't just specify verify campaign but but this story develops there's now growing support from the industry on it so let me cover the story that, that you wrote so eloquently on the website and again if you want to see it just go to fsmatters.com and put in the search box industry support grows for base don't just specify, verify a campaign. I'm sure you can do a much shorter version of that to bring it up, but you'll find it. So as the drive towards stronger responsibility and accountability for fire safety measures continues across the nation, BAFE is reiterating its message on the significance of the United Kingdom Accreditation Service 
which is UCAS, accredited third-party certification. The organisations don't just specify verifying campaign, which was launched back in March last year, and it identifies the important but sometimes overlooked second verification stage when premises management source competent third-party certificated organisations to help on compliance with fire safety obligations. So, this pioneering campaign has generated substantial industry support, and that's what we're here to talk about now, Brian, from significant organisations, including UCAS, also the Fire Sector Federation, no surprise, bearing in mind the previous news story that we were just talking about, and the Construction Industry Council, not to mention the backing of multiple certification bodies, trade associations and professional bodies alike. Bay firmly believes that this unified support is testament to the quality message the campaign ultimately represents. Lewis Ramsey, who is the caretaker manager and a board member of BAFE, told us, with most buildings now returning to near pre-COVID operation, it's imperative that the BAFE campaign message is repeated in the interests of life safety. Over the last decade, BAFE has witnessed third-party certification becoming a clear stipulation for fire safety work, but it would be far more reassuring to determine if premises management are also verifying this prior to awarding any contract and letting work commence at a given site. So Lewis went on to say the verification process should be recorded to demonstrate full due diligence is a very straightforward and quick exercise which can be extremely beneficial to evidencing own quality procedures when it comes to sourcing quality contractors for the fulfillment of specific works. So Brian you know again this is a campaign that we have long FSM supported and promoted and it's great to see it getting some really strong sector backing well cross-sector backing we should say from UCAS the Fire Sector Federation and Construction Industry Council to name but a few is there anything else you'd like to add to this? There is Mark uh, discussed in multiple government and fire and rescue service guidance documents third-party certification is a method of determining if an organisation has quality evidence of their competency to fulfil specific work Government fire safety guidance documents note, and I quote, third-party quality assurance can offer comfort both as a means of satisfying you that goods and services you've purchased are fit for purpose and as a means of demonstrating that you've complied with the law. Importantly, Mark, the government guidance also notes the use of subcontractors, urging fire safety professionals to ascertain if they are, again, I quote, subject to the same level of checks of quality and competence as the company you're employing. There's now a huge amount of responsibility placed on the shoulders of premises management and the designated responsible persons and duty holders, which needs to be thoroughly executed. Now, BAFE as an organisation believes the verification of fire safety organisations is of vital importance in today's landscape, most notably so, Mark, in terms of specific competency within the life safety arena. Of course, Stephen Adams, the former CEO of BAFE, has always been one of the foremost supporters of the drive for competency and deserves a great deal of credit for that, Mark, I believe. Yeah, absolutely, Brian. You know, and obviously in the previous edition of this podcast, you will seen us uh, covering a new story about Stephen moving on from BAFE and obviously us wishing him all the best. But BAFE as an organisation, this is, this is a fantastic campaign. It's one that we're fully behind, as I said, when I, when I raised it a moment ago. We've covered it from its inception to now. And as I said, it's great to see it getting industry support. So, Brian, you've got another news story you want to cover, and I believe it's on smoke alarms. What have you got for us? 
It is indeed, Mark. Uh, those people living in social housing are going to be safer in their homes under new rules that will mean smoke alarms must be fitted within all rented accommodation. That's the latest missive from Housing Minister Eddie Hughes. Made through the Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities, the government's announcement means that housing providers will be required by law to install smoke alarms in all social housing, while carbon monoxide alarms must now be fitted inside all social and private rented properties with fixed appliances such as gas boilers or fires. These new measures are part of social housing reforms initiated by the Conservative government in a determined bid to drive up standards. The regulation changes will also require landlords and housing providers in the social and private rented sectors to repair or replace smoke and carbon monoxide alarms once they're told that they're faulty. The reforms follow a commitment laid down in the Social Housing White Paper published last year, Mark. The White Paper sets out proposals for wide-ranging reforms of the social housing sector, with tenants afforded a clear way in which to raise concerns and the regulator provided with stronger powers to take enforcement action. Eddie Hughes has said it's fundamentally a right for people to feel safe in their own homes. This is an issue I've advocated for many years. Around 20 people are killed each year due to accidental carbon monoxide poisoning and many more through house fires. But we know that simple interventions can prevent these needless deaths. Hughes went on to state, I'm proud that the new rules being proposed will ensure even more homes are fitted with life-saving alarms. Whether you own your home, are privately renting or in social housing, everyone deserves to feel safe. This is an incredibly important step forward in protecting those at risk. What's your take on this one, Mark? Well, Brian, didn't we start off with a news story of someone attacking this government for being all about deregulation and not wanting to regulate? Isn't that how we started today? I believe so, wasn't it? It is indeed, yes. So we end on a story about them wanting to change regulation and getting more hands-on. Well, not to defend this government too much. I mean, I find it astounding that this isn't already in place, to be quite frank. But, you know, it it feels like we've uh, definitely done a balanced news piece today <laughs> from the start to the uh, to the end. Um, yeah, it's just common sense. I'm almost sick and tired sometimes of going on this podcast and saying it's common sense. And this really does feel like common sense. And, yeah, something that, well, you'd have to be a fool not to agree with, to be quite frank. It, it just makes all the sense in the world. And I think it's what people would come to expect. And social housing is certainly under the spotlight post-Grenfell more than ever in relation to fire safety. So just to go on a bit from this, Brian, just to, to finish off on it. So the guidance I'm relating to where alarms are fitted and ensuring that alarms at relevant standards is also going to be updated is my understanding from your news story and the reforms follow on from a two-month consultation process so changes will be brought forward through the smoke and carbon monoxide alarm england regulations 2015 as well as the statutory guidance which is approved document j supporting part j of the building regulations actually it's worth noting brian that ACO has written about this issue in the December issue of Fire Safety Matters, which we will go into a bit more detail in a bit. So the company's technical manager, Andy Speak, also gave an excellent overview on the current regulatory landscape during Fire Safety Matters Live. And I'd urge all of you, if you haven't had a chance to watch Fire Safety Matters Live, first ever digital conference, please do so. You just need to go to fsmlive.co.uk is the address. And we've got such a plethora of great content and it's completely free you can register now and watch it and we're the first publication to host an event and obviously a digital event in this case where we had peter baker from the new building safety regulator addresses which is fantastic and obviously we've um 
had interviews on this podcast with Peter. There's there's such great content in there. We've got everything from the Institute of Fire Safety Managers talking, Ian Moore from the Fire Industry Association. And there's great speakers from Advanced, Apollo Fire Detectors, ACOS, who said FFE, TO Fire, talking about digital logbooks, and which are really important for fire safety, actually, and so much more than you think. Then we talked about, you know, preventing chemical explosions, etc., with Mark Whiteley. We talked about passive fire protection with Nar Rowan on behalf of the ASFP. It really was a great conference, and it's really worth you dipping in and out of any of those sessions, which you can you can just choose to watch any of those sessions or all of them for free, FSM Live uk. So, so that rounds up the news, Brian, but I want to finish off just kind of having a look back on what we started talking about at the start of this podcast. This has been a really, really busy few weeks for us, which I think everyone's going to hopefully see the fruit being born of that in the coming weeks. You know, you've just today gone to press with the latest issue of Fire Safety Matters, but also the first ever Fire Industry Association um, guide to UK fire safety sector. This is a first for us. It's a huge publication which really is detailed. You know, I'm lucky. I've seen it before it's gone to press. But why don't you give our listeners and ultimately our readers the opportunity to hear what they can see in the new FIA guide that will be coming on their desks in the next few days and the next issue of Fire Safety Matters. What have you been busy working on, Brian? Yeah, I've been very busy, Mark, across about the last eight or nine weeks on these two publications in terms of the political production process. Um, December edition of Fire Safety Masters, as you said, it's full of content. It's 76 pages long, so a nice, a nice fat issue for the Christmas holidays for people to read in their leisure. And as ever, we've covered all of the latest fire industry news and product information. On top of that, the edition features um, articles from Fire Pro UK, TO Fire Safety, Detector Testers, uh, QDOS, a new, a new author for us, High Fire, EVAC Chair, and also ProFab Access. And the subjects they've covered encompass fire suppression, uh, tall buildings, complex premises, evacuation planning, and product testing. So a very wide range of subject matter there, Mark. There are also review articles concentrating on the content of Fire Safety Matters Live, which you've mentioned, and our recent webinar on digitalization in the sector, which features Simpro and one of their clients, DT Fire Systems. You mentioned, of course, the FIA guide there, Mark, a real tour de force, this one. It's past press as well, as you mentioned. Uh, it's a real, um, I, I think, a, a great publication from my point of view. I've really enjoyed working on this one. It's no less than 92 pages long. It covers the work of the Trade Association in its many councils. And it's the first, as you said, the first annual guide, in fact, we've produced in conjunction with the Trade Association. Uh, if you want to review what's happened in the sector during 2021, then this is a publication to read, I would respectfully suggest. Uh, we're looking at everything from the impact of Brexit and regulatory change through to EWS1 forms, third party certification, and that subject of competency, which is on everybody's lips at the moment. On a personal note, Mike, I'd like to offer my grateful thanks to Ian Moore, Renata Kopka, and all of the team at the FI for their assistance on this project across many months now. And we're very proud of this publication, Mark, I would say. From what I've seen, I'm very, very proud and very, very lucky to have had first glance before it went to press. A lot of blood, sweat, tears and love went into that from uh, the FIA and from you. And I'm really hoping that everybody finds it useful. This is the first such guide that we've done with the FIA. And I think it's really going to set the standard and the tone for years to come. We'll certainly be doing it again 
and this time next year as well, because we've got a multi-year agreement with the FIA to do this. We're no strangers to these kind of things. We do the same for the British Safety Industry Federation over in the health and safety market. And in fact, the BSIF UK Guide to Health and Safety actually just won an award from the PPA, Independent Publishers Awards, for Commercial Partnership of the Year, which we're very, very proud of. And, you know, this has got such... A, a wide ranging it covers everything brian as you said from passive fire protection suppression you know there's um alarm detection systems in there competency training emergency lighting legislation there's so much in there it's a one-stop guide to everything you need to know about the sector and some of the the best solutions as well to overcome any issues you might have in your workplace so if you're listening to this now We'll have it up before Christmas on our website, fsmatters.com. You'll be able to look at it digitally. But, you know, you can subscribe to the magazine at fsmatters.com and you would get the FIA guide for free. It's coming straight through your letterbox. But, of course, you can look at it digitally. Just go to the homepage and you will see it in the archive of magazines from just before Christmas. So hopefully you guys will enjoy it as much as we enjoyed putting it together. And, and as Brian said, a huge thank you to... Ian Moore and his team at the FIA for partnering with us on it. And Brian, while we're talking about the magazine, you know, hopefully you will take some time at Christmas to uh, relax and uh, enjoy yourself. But before you get a chance to do that, we've already planned ahead for next year. We've got four issues of the magazine coming out next year, plus obviously the FIA guide will come again next year. What topics are you planning to cover in Fire Safety Matters next year? Well, plenty of subjects as always, Mark. Uh, when it comes to forward features for next year, we'll be publishing in print in March, May, August and December. So that's for all you planning people out there. That's when we publish uh, in print. In March, we feature fire alarms and detection at the leisure sector and also fire safety software, as well as previewing the fire safety event, of course. The May edition concentrates on passive fire protection, firefighting and residential premises protection. Plus, there'll be previews of FireX International at Excel and also Interschutz. Then we move forward to August, we focus on fire suppression, uh, modern building and disaster and crisis planning, ending the year in December with an overview of tall buildings, wireless technology and the key area of competency yet again. We'll also be publishing, as you said, Mark, the second edition of the FIA Guide to the UK's Fire Safety Industry. Yeah, I mean, it'll be another busy year next year. We'll have plenty of webinars, digital conferences. But one thing we probably should touch back on, and obviously we're very proud that our sponsors of this podcast, the Fire Safety Event, you know, they ran a very successful event in September and they are now the fastest growing fire safety event in the country. You know, that it's a truly national event of the fire safety sector. And of course, I'm looking forward to seeing many of you back there in April 5th to 7th next year, 2022, when I say next year, in case you're listening to this in 2022, it's the 5th to 7th of April, 2022. And it's great seeing people get back together. It's an event, obviously, I still have a close affinity with having launched it. And, you know, we still put on the content for that event as well. We certainly will be for, for next year. And that content will soon be released because I've been hard at work doing that. So, you know, before then, we potentially got the small matter of Intersec, hopefully in Dubai. I'm meant to be flying out there, as we always do, to um, to network and speak to readers and clients, etc. over there. So hopefully that goes ahead. But who knows with current COVID guidelines at the moment, uh, ever-changing, Brian. But when we're talking about live events, I do want to touch on something that's very close to my heart, and it, it goes on well from the 
FIA partnership, because this is done in partnership with them. As we mentioned on the last podcast, we have launched with the FIA the Fire and Security Matters Awards. So these do take place on the 28th of April 2022 at the Coventry Building Society Arena. But forget the do, which will be a great networking do. Let's talk about what it's about. The Fire and Security Matters Awards are aimed at celebrating innovation and achievements in the fire and security sectors. This is the perfect way, and it takes only a few minutes for you to enter, to nominate yourself, a team member, a colleague, a team, a project, a product or service in either the fire and security sectors. And, you know, we've had a lot of entries already, which I'm thrilled to see, and some really quality entries already come in. But this is a great way to get industry recognition. You know, the, the judges from this are people like the FIA. It's people like the Institute of Fire Safety Managers, like the Security Institute. You know, so it, it, it's not us. It's not FSM judging this. You know, it's the industry. And what better than to get recognition from your peers? It takes you a few minutes to enter. But the recognition, you know, that, that that's invaluable. That's something that you can publicise your business for getting shortlisted if you get shortlisted, but it'll certainly make a colleague, a supplier, a team, and, and your business itself feel very good about itself and get shortlisted. So I would urge all of you, please, please enter. You've got until the 11th of February. We're just at the end of the deadline. And you can do so for free. It's not about the money. It's for free. And it's about promoting standards. So to enter, you go to www firesecurityawards.com that's firesecurityawards.com if you can't remember that google fire and security matters awards that will come up and i'd just really like to thank all of the fantastic sponsors that have already jumped on board on this and they've done so because they too want to really promote excellence in the sector and our headline sponsor is aco and the other sponsors are apollo ems we've also got ncab group safety chair side rise simpro and to fire so thank you to all of them for sponsoring it and our charity partner for those who are going on the night is going to be the firefighters charity we're doing a collection for them and there's just, just such a great list of categories you can enter take a couple of minutes for you to do so please do so but i'd like to talk about another new thing that we're going to do next year we actually sent a survey out to many of you well, all of you, in fact, actually, that are on our database, asking what more we could do for you. And we've listened to you. Networking is something that you are adamant you want to see more of from FSM. So I'm pleased to announce that we are going to do a networking event next year. It's the Fire Safety Matters Golf and Networking Day. This will take place on the 14th of June, 2022. Yes, when it's allegedly warm in our country, we hope. <laughs> so 14th of June. It takes place at the fabulous Celtic Manor Resort. So the day is, is going to be fantastic. So it'll start off with bacon rolls, tea and coffee on arrival. And then we're going to put on 90 minutes of CPD accredited seminars. And you will get a CPD certificate for your attendance as well. We'll be able to announce the lineup of specialist speakers soon. So keep your eyes peeled. You'll enjoy a networking lunch. And then... Obviously, this is aimed at golfers as well. So then there will be 18 holes of golf on the Montgomery course, a fabulous course at uh, Celtic Manor. There will, of course, be trophies for the winning team, the closest to the pin and the longest drive. So tickets for this cost £125 plus VAT. It will be great for you to be able to network with your peers and, you know, not just take some learnings out of the day and network, but also have some fun too. And I've always found golf is a great way to do that. I'm, I'm relatively new to playing the game in the last 18 months, but I've loved 
golf since I was a kid. And if anyone wants to see the funniest thing in 2022, will be seeing me on a golf course. Uh, you, you will thoroughly enjoy that. So as I said, it is on the 14th of June 2022, and it's a great way to network and have a good time and actually get CPD for um, for your troubles. So if you want to sign up, it's very, very easy to do so. All you need to do is go to fsmgolf.com. That's fsmgolf.com. And, you know, tickets are they're limited, obviously, because then it's only people you can get on the golf course and in the room. So I would urge you to get your tickets now to avoid disappointment. So, yeah, fsmgolf.com. And uh, I apologise in advance if you end up on my team, because I don't think we'll be winning a trophy if you're on my team. But we'll certainly have a bloody good time. So, Brian, I really just want to end my part of this before I throw it back to you and thank you for all of your hard work this year. It's been a, it's been another long year, but a really, really positive year. So much has happened in the fire sector this year and, and we love covering on this podcast and we love covering it in the magazine and the websites. You know, the loyalty of our readership has grown and grown. We've had to find new ways to interact with you, whether it be digital conferences, that was a first. So many webinars now, you know, we were the first in the sector to really push that heavily with CPD attached to it. Digital magazines, the e-news has got 54,000 people. We had record requests for people wanting the magazine. We've launched the Fire and Security Matters Awards. And now, you know, obviously we've launched a Golf and Network Day. We couldn't do any of this on top of launching the FIA guide that you've talked about without the fantastic support of our sponsors and advertisers i'm so grateful to all of them for trusting us and really driving this brand forward you can remember fsm was launched just a little over four years ago by myself when i when i came in about five years ago now actually and the first edition we launched it up at the top of the uh, bt tower um, along with bt red care allowed us to do that for a long time ago but it's not you know four or five years is not and for us to have had this level of support from the sector really means the world to me personally and uh, to everyone that works as well and to my business partners danny and keith so thank you so much to our amazing sponsors and advertisers but none of this is possible without the readership the listeners to this podcast i mean you know, we launched this podcast last year, uh, 2020, just before the pandemic. It's another way to get in touch with people as ways of working change. And it's been nominated, nominated for three industry awards since then, which I'm very, very proud of. And, you know, we may not have won the uh, <laughs> the categories, Brian, but, you know, just getting shortlisted, much like I say in our FSM awards, is all that matters. And we can't do this without the loyal audience and readership we have. We've had such a growth in readership online, record amount of requests for the magazine, record amount of requests for changing address as people move to home working. And the fact that we can we can actually make all this free because of our sponsors and advertisers, yeah, okay, we can make it free. But if we don't have an audience and a growing audience and an engaged audience like the people listening now, we've got nothing. And I'm so grateful to all of you that take time to listen to this podcast, read our publications, go to our webinars. You do message me. You do send me direct messages. You do email me. Many of you are in contact. And I love that. You're passionate about what you do. And I'm very, very touched that you find FSM a really useful resource for you because that's what it's intended to be. You know, I'm passionate about the fire safety sector. Brian's passionate about it. And, and we want to put on the best product possible that can be the best most useful resource you can have for your workplace. So I would encourage you, if there's anything that we could do better, we're not resting on our laurels. Anything more you want us doing, anything we could do better, 
please do drop us a line. We're not hard people to find. Easiest way to do so is through social media. You can find Fire Safety Matters on LinkedIn or Twitter. Or you can find myself or Brian on LinkedIn. Drop us a line. Go to our website, fsmatters.com. Email us through there. Call us. We would love to hear from you. But really, that was my message to say to you, thank you. You take time out of your day voluntarily to read FSM and to engage a podcast like this. And it doesn't go unnoticed. And we are extremely grateful for it. So I hope, from my perspective... You have a fantastic Christmas and a very prosperous new year. And I'm very much hoping to engage with many of you next year. So, Brian, over to you, if there's anything else you want to add. Well, I can only echo your own words, Mark. I think you've stolen my thunder on this one, really. I mean, uh, genuinely, I really do love editing this magazine and this industry. And I'm massively proud of both. And we'll, we'll continue as a, as a duo, the, the two of us, to promote what it does and promote excellence and, and high standards in this sector and obviously backed for, uh, for increases in competence, uh, regulation and legislation and standards. I think that that's the key thing and CPD is a massive part of all of this in terms of the profession of fire safety management, for example. And we're very grateful for the, for the time we have with the IFSM on that, obviously. But I think on a personal level, I'd like to finish by wishing our readers, contributors and commercial partners, all of whom you've mentioned, Mark, a very happy, a happy Christmas and a very uh, happy and prosperous new year. And thank you to all of you for your fantastic support in 2021. Now, as Mark mentioned, this has been a record-breaking year for Fire Safety Matters on so many fronts, and we really couldn't have achieved that without all of you. So thank you very much indeed from the team here at Western Business Media and from myself as editor. That brings us to the end of this latest edition of the Fire Safety Matters podcast. You can read more on the issues raised here and others by visiting the Fire Safety Matters website at www.fsmatters.com. We do hope you've enjoyed the content. On that note, please do contact us if there are any particular themes or issues you would like us to explore on upcoming broadcasts. You can do so on Twitter by using the hashtag FSMpodcast. Do make sure you follow us on Twitter at fsmatters underscore mag and also access our LinkedIn page at Fire Safety Matters magazine and website. Please do like and share the content of our regular podcasts and spread the word among your industry colleagues. You can listen to the Fire Safety Matters podcast for free on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube or Podbean. All you need to do is enter the term Fire Safety Matters into your chosen platform search box. We'll see you again in the new year.